Welcome to this ground up. The ongoing cyber warfare has no visible front, borders, or armies. Now, when we evaluate the ongoing cyber warfare getting integrated with emerging technologies like artificial intelligence, facial recognition, deepfake, Internet of Things, autonomous systems, electromagnetic spectrum, 5G, and more, and its scope of overall entanglement with geospace, aquaspace, and space, the anonymity of enemy soldiers in the cyber domain and the leveling of attack capabilities, we are entering an era of democratization of destruction for which we are not prepared. As we take a step forward in the era of unknowns, the battle between cybersecurity offense and defense is, is expected to escalate and emerging technologies will need to find their way into balancing the already complex security paradigm. To discuss emerging technology for cyber warfare further, I'm honored to welcome retired Brigadier General Blaine D. Hall to this round up. Retired General Hall is currently the Chief Operating Officer at Brady Industries and is based in the United States. Welcome, General Hall. We are honored to have you on this round up. It's great to be back with you again. Thank you very much, Doctor. Wonderful, General Hall. So, the emerging technologies, it seems, are fundamentally changing the definition and meaning of security in not only cyberspace, but aquaspace, geospace, and space, because now cyberspace connects all these different spaces, aquaspace, geospace, and space. And as a result, there is no such thing as secure anymore in the entire CAGS human ecosystem. So when we look at the emerging technologies, from your assessment, what has changed in the security paradigm? Well, um... I, I liked what you said when you opened the interview, um, when you talked about the democratization of uh, these types of technologies and how dangerous that is. It, it used to be when I was on active duty in the Air Force, we, we viewed cyber as a domain, a military domain like any other. And we do know that that, that was a huge mistake. Um, it's, it's really, when we talk about national security, it's not just the security of our armed forces and our command and control systems, it's the security of a nation and its economy and its ability to operate. And so now that I've been in private industry for the last four years, cyber is actually almost a greater concern for me now as a threat than uh, it was when I was on active duty. On active duty, you know, you would depend on really incredible resources that we hold uh, like the National Security Administration. You've got a lot of other agencies that are prepared with cyber type uh, units. But here in the um, here in the business community, uh, we're vulnerable, and um, we have to be very careful about that. I think the glaring vulnerability that we can all look to is is the United States grid or the power grid system because we we understand how old it is and how much it has to be protected. Yes, that is very true. The critical infrastructure is, like you said, is uh, getting aged and uh, the aging infrastructure is more vulnerable because we are not able to effectively upgrade all the systems and make them resilient to any and all of these cyber attacks that could come our way. And like you said, you know, the entire spectrum of security is changing from where you were at the time when you were on active duty to now. Everything is so very different. Everything is connected and it, everything is vulnerable. And now when we see the security concept is currently being subjected to these big changes with respect to its aims and capabilities and sources, connectivity, and even dimension of threats, 
it makes us wonder how the many unknowns of these emerging technologies are influencing the cyber warfare. So as we focus on cyberspace, cyber warfare, and cybersecurity, what technology trends, challenges, and threats you think that you know we'll have to be very mindful about as we go forward? That's right. Um, I think one of the things that I find to be a, a source of optimism or something we can look to for hope in this uh, very dynamic area, very dangerous area, is the emerging technologies that we now see appearing for civilian companies on the horizon. And if there's something that I've learned over the years, especially in cyber, you, you can't just have one silver bullet. You can't just say, I called a cyber company and so now we're fine. <laughs> That's the one thing I can tell you will not work. So, so what we want to do here as we build our company, and, and, and Brady is currently a startup company uh, with a very big manufacturing footprint, is we want to build an ecosystem or a very, very layered architecture of different types of cyber solutions. And some of them are not even obvious cyber plays. They, they seem to be something else, but they can work in a cyber defense. And I'll, I'll explain that. So in a very pure form, I would say one of the things that uh, uh, has to be watched very carefully is insider threats. And what I mean by that is there could be a bad actor in your company. That's that's the easiest one to kind of think about and, and say, oh, I have an insider threat problem. I should, I should go find out about that because I could have my network destroyed that way. But there's another type of insider threat that's much more common, I think, uh, in our companies, and that is unwitting, uneducated, and untrained users who willingly click on that link that ends up being the spear phishing attack or the ransomware uh, malware that drops into uh, the account. And so, so one of these uh, emerging companies, uh, it's called Defend Edge. Uh, they're a startup based out of uh, Chicago. They've invented a brilliant uh, uh, technology called Scion that actually uh, is very, very nice at operating behind the scenes and looking at anomalies of the users and looking at normal behavior patterns. And they harness artificial intelligence and mach machine learning to basically build profiles that gives managers a very, very good uh, assessment about whether they're vulnerable in the workforce or not. And it's not about just a mousetrap to catch an employee. It's much more about um, looking at behavior patterns that lead to a bad place in your network. And that, that can be very, very helpful. Yes. Um, another one that I would mention that's not as traditional um, is, is look at how vulnerable uh, corporate supply chains can be. Okay, so so in your supply chain, you are you have an incredible amount of trust in a supply chain to make sure that uh, the the inputs and the outputs to a business uh, continue unimpeded. Well, most of those ride on digital highways. It's not just about the physical act of moving things. So so one company that you might not even think has a cyber play uh, is a is a young company called Alchemy, another artificial intelligence big data company based in Seattle. What they're working on is end-to-end -end supply chain visualization. And why that's powerful is because they can give you predictive analytics into your supply chain. They can actually analyze all the transactions several tiers down 
things like this random car accident happened in Italy carrying your product, what is the cascading rippling effect in your supply chain? Or a cyber event happens, what is the cascading effect? It actually looks at geopolitical events around the world and starts to pull together things and managers can actually do exercising in black swan events to say, what if we had a ransomware attack? How does my supply chain get affected? And it's an amazing piece of technology. The, the other one uh, that people would never really immediately equate to cyber is blockchain. Blockchain technology in a logistic sense or in a, in a what we would call provenance, uh, being able to transact without trust. So, so the idea would be in a logistic setting, I have a part that's coming through uh, the, the fiber lines and that part has uh, processes and procedures for how to make that so you know it's that. But because we have blockchain technology, if it's up in the ledger, it can't be counterfeited anymore. And right now, counterfeit parts in the United States supply chain, that's a very big issue. But, but some people would never look at that as a cyber issue. But this is where these things get interdicted. Um, another layer that I'm looking at very carefully at Brady is encryption standards. Um, Battelle uh, company uh, ran for four years straight um, the old Alan Turing encryption standard, which we call quantum key distribution. And quantum key ran perfectly at Battelle for four years. That company QX that is fielding quantum key distribution for uh, commercial companies is putting that out now. And again, if, if you start to develop these layers and you always have an eye towards how am I vulnerable, you're starting to build a much tougher uh, outer shell to your company. And, uh, and that's, where, that's where we wanna be. I'm in a very enviable position because I have a blank canvas with this startup company on, on how to build it the right way. And, uh, and what I have learned along the way is that it absolutely has to be different solutions working together in, in a really synergistic way. Yes, I know you are right about that. I mean, I'm glad that you are thinking about all these different scenarios that you need to address for your organization, your company for, to protect its manufacturing facility. Because the example that you gave about the supply chain, that it will let you look at any geopolitical event and how it's going to impact, that's a very useful tool. Now, I'm, uh, I'm sure that each of these tools that you talked about, they all bring strengths, but they also bring vulnerabilities because at the, whenever any company looks at, you know, how anything is going to, any geopolitical event is going to impact their supply chain, that, that strength that they have in looking at those events that also can create vulnerabilities because hackers can hack into that and they can easily know what is uh, uh, making this company vulnerable and those vulnerabilities can be you know exploited so there are many many each of this technology brings us strength and each of these technology brings us weaknesses so how we address all of that uh, you know to make sure that we as an organization become resilient uh, that will need to be seen because there are so many vulnerabilities and so many interconnectedness and interdependencies. So the security is no longer like government affair. We used to think that government will protect us from any and all security threats coming towards us, but uh, cyberspace has completely changed those fundamentals. So it's a very difficult scenario. So when you, as you evaluate all these different technologies for your company, Brady uh, organization, to make this uh, manufacturing uh, system more resilient, 
which technologies you think are you know bringing security risk to organizations like yours so the 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 thing that you have to do is you have to have really great outside partners i think that can evaluate the types of technologies you're looking at for your own business so so here's where i think by process we could make a big mistake you find a technology you love it you think it'll work for you but but that you don't finish right there what you have to do is you have to go outside the organization to somebody who doesn't have your problem set but understands the technology and can go in and evaluate it and then look for those vulnerabilities like you're saying they're they're very important um but i also think and this is what we'll be doing at brady we need a robust exercise program and that's something that i'll be bringing to this company from the military which is it's not enough it's not enough to just have these safeguards in place you have to exercise them and ring them out to make sure they actually can work and and that happens with red teaming that happens with um you know there's really great mssps out there um you know optive is one that comes to mind uh that can actually do that work for you and work with the ecosystem that you kind of built so in the case of brady you have 700 million dollars worth of aluminum rolling machines everything from furnaces hot mills very heavy industrial equipment but all of these things should be classified as iiot industrial internet of things and and so i'm looking at right now i'm currently evaluating a company called zage x a g e because they specifically focus on those controls um but but what i would like to do is as we start to put this all together then the company has to have a, a regular exercising with all of the players involved and we have to stress these systems out we have to prosecute their vulnerabilities and then we have to go back to these providers and say so this is what our our data has told us and this is what we have found and if you want to continue to be a partner with us we would like to work together to address these things to keep shoring up vulnerabilities the other thing as you know is it's a very dynamic world and it's a very big game of cat and mouse and so as you're working very hard to strengthen yourself and you never stop that process it's not static the bad guys are doing the exact same thing but but the thing that we should be very careful about is when we put a definition on what a bad guy is because your bad guy now can be anybody your bad guy could be a 15 year old sitting in kiev Yes. Uh it could be a state actor at a cyber center under a national flag. It could be a contracted bad guy from one of your competitors who would really like to see something bad happen to you. <laughs> I hate to say that, but but that that's up for grabs. And um and so what we have to do is I the way I explain what I intend to design for our own systems here at Brady to our other executives is we're not we're building like a Jenga tower a big jenga tower and at the very top you've got the ERP and then below that you've got uh, different processing systems you've got back office accounting and then you've got you know but the foundation and the base are these layers of protection that we need uh to keep our employees safe and trained and good and and that's not just software that's people coming in and training your workforce um and and those types of things and that way when you have a jenga tower like that you can actually like you said to your point you can lose a few blocks yes but you're okay but you're okay if yes. it, was your backup 
process was was that regimented uh you know you you should get to the point where you can go through a real bad cyber thing and 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 be okay because you've got a consequence management plan in place and and it's the plans and the relationships and the training that actually are foundational to the uh the software uh, those have to go together when i interview cyber companies for us and i've qualified quite a few to compete for our business, uh, the first thing I say right out of the gate is your technology will have to actually work. That's one thing, but that's not the number one thing. The number one thing is when we hire a cyber company, we're hiring a relationship. And and the thing is, is when you're in a very calm uh, boardroom and there's a salesman selling you a cyber solution, well, it's all very calm, it's all very nice. And, and the demos usually work perfectly. It, it's it's when that bad incident happens. Who's at the other end of that phone, and who's there to make it make it right for you? Who understands your system? And that's that's what the successful candidates with us us have to do. They have to prove. Oh no 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 no. We, we the the buzzword is the throat to choke. <laughs> who's my throat to choke? <laughs> and uh, and that's that's how we're kind of bringing it together here. But you're absolutely right. There are going to be vulnerabilities, and we'll just have to keep addressing them. Yes, I mean the, because uh, this what you described is inter industrial Internet of Things. That itself, you know, opens up so many layers of vulnerabilities because now we are talking about IOTs. You know, small small devices that could be it in. Uh, probably, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands, depending on, you know, what your uh, broader you know, spectrum is. And then, you know, it depending on whether it's a fiber line network or whether you are using, uh, you know, 5G fiber, uh, you know, just uh, fiberless network, you know. So if it is 5G, then, you know, it uh, again opens up more vulnerabilities. So there are, and then data security as the data is transferred, data at rest, data in motion. So there are so many different vulnerabilities that enters into the spectrum because now you are talking about Internet of Things. So uh, whether those uh, IOTs, the devices I have you know standards whether they are you know uh, they have any process capabilities where the data is going to be processed you know who, who is going to process whether it will be encrypted uh, so then data security and data transfer and there are a lot of different you know vulnerabilities so many different points so you are I'm glad that you are taking this approach as layered approach because it's not just one solution that is going to fit the all the requirements there are so many different you know variables you have to consider and it seems like you are evaluating and considering all of those variables but now you know another point also that uh, needs to be addressed is about the artificial intelligence because right now if you look at authentication technologies identification and authentication technologies not only for human employees that work there but also for the iot devices that you will have because that also will need to be uh, you know addressed because they will also need to have authentication procedures and technology so we are not only talking about humans that will have uh, uh, identification and authentication technology but also the devices so we are talking about you know identification authentication on both fronts and now you know a lot of countries and a lot of organizations are talking about using uh, biometrics data but that 
those also bring so many vulnerabilities because ai can interpret a lot of you know all the biometric data and then it brings us more complex
And we won't, we, again, it's going to be crawl, walk, run. We will start out with pilots and then we'll go into programs of record in certain portfolios for where we're working. Um, but we find great promise in this. And, and the nice part is I am finding these little companies with this emerging technology that are very, very eager and interested in working together. So it used to be in the old days of cyber, it was, I have a cyber solution, so I'm going to create a stovepipe and a silo and you can only use my stuff and nobody else's stuff. It's, it's getting very, very different. Everybody understands they're specializing in a particular area and that industry really wants a layered approach and solution. Definitely. Um, if Definitely. there's a missing link on this path, I think you're probably going to get to it anyway, but it's, it's going to be this distance between government regulation and what industry is doing. On the government side, my kind of perspective is that the face of the government's a little slow for business and, and the technology is moving so fast that government's having a really hard time keeping up with what the, the marketplace needs. But if I drop that to something much more um, uh, rudimentary, uh, our grid, our national security grid, um, that's the vulnerability that I see from government not being quite on step with where it needs to be and at least understanding these technologies and how they can work. Yes, definitely. No, yeah, I agree with you on that because it's uh, the entire process of regulation policy making is a very you know long complex process and it doesn't fit the requirement of today's you know rapidly developing and emerging technology so that is a challenge and we'll have to eventually come up with a proper way of uh, regulating and uh, um, developing policies but uh, that is you know a topic of entirely different discussion but what what you mentioned you know about the intellectual property authentication that is very interesting because i have not heard anyone talking about that yet and that what you are saying is absolutely correct that there is a lot of uh, stealing you know happening about the intellectual property so we do need to ensure that the intellectual property is authenticated and identified properly but how do they do that because any intellectual property if you don't have the global patent on it or global rights then people can you know make slight modification and uh, they can you know make it their own because as long as you modify some process or uh, some small aspect of it then you know it's uh, no longer have rights to uh, that modified technology. So how do you, how do this company, how does this company uh, authenticate this technology and how does it work? Because we are not talking about the global, uh, you know, standards and we are talking about the global patent and not everybody goes for the global patents. Sure. So in my opinion, um, I think even in a digitized world, even with blockchain technology, you're still left with this strategy that most people use to protect their intellectual property. And that is you only show a certain amount of the goods. <laughs> so, so some of that is sitting in your patents. That's the absolute, you know, I can go to a, a, any court and, and defend this, but then there's going to be a portion of, of the secret sauce, which is never actually in the light of day. And those are your trade secrets and the two together make something that's very special and unique to you. But, but I, what I think, I can see happening as blockchain emerges and as it becomes much more commonplace as a background. Again, it's a technology that people won't even know they're using the blockchain and yet they're in the blockchain and they're using it just fine. They just, everybody equates this to cryptocurrency and that's like the snowflake on the tip of the iceberg. But uh, what, I, what I think I see is 
if you look at if you look at Apple with its iTunes model, so so you go and you see a song and you buy the song and the song only cost you a dollar. But you bought the song. What did you really do? You paid the royalty to the artist who made the song and that's their intellectual property. So you basically asked that for your life, I want to rent this intellectual property that you made and I'm going to use it um, whenever I want to use it. And that's what I paid you for. So so if if we can have much better provenance, meaning trust that doesn't have to be exhibited from a relationship. It can be exhibited from a technology where, where using the mathematical algorithms that create these ledgers that can be constantly compared down to the second for authenticity, then we're left with a vehicle where you can actually either um, create a marketplace for intellectual property or you can actually lease intellectual property. So, so and if and if those costs can come down because we're not doing it in a traditional way of I have to buy a truck, I have to put this stuff on the truck, I have to get it to you, and I don't want you to know how I made it, but now I'm doing it through fiber optics and I'm letting you rent my intellectual property and I give you the right to print this widget. Uh, and then that goes away and the license goes away because the blockchain said you could print it one time. That was what the smart transaction had. The costs can go down to a place where, just like iTunes, it's really not in your best interest to try to steal that IP. I'd much rather just quickly buy the song, the song from Sting than try to go get a band that could play Sting really well and then record them. Uh, it's just much easier. <laughs> and so, so this may be a place where we're fighting around the world now to protect our IP, especially, you know, you talk about all these trade wars with China at the base of those debates is protection of IP to the extent that we can bring in technologies to enforce that outside of a, a court of law or disincentivize folks to go do that. What we're learning in the, in the parts business, which is very, it's a fascinating um, example. Our parts, at our nanotechnology metal parts that we make um, and that we'll be soon marketing. Each of them has a unique grain structure, a microscopic nanotechnology grain structure. That becomes a fingerprint. I can put the fingerprint into the chain. So now, how hard is it to make a sprocket look like another sprocket in every way, shape, and form? Great, but you can't counterfeit it anymore because it won't have that fingerprint and it won't scan the right way. It won't be in the ledger. And so it, it, it absolutely wipes out a, a million dollar industry of counterfeiting parts as we start to look to go to scale and to ramp that up. But I think, I think these are the places where we'll have the most um, success in trying to really kind of get our arms around protecting people's intellectual property. Sure. No, I hear you on that. I mean, as as we move towards a decentralized economy, you know that these uh, fundamental development of blockchain, you know, for to get in everyone, you know, all the products, all the services, all the IPs, people, even even humans, you know, for the digital identity, and even for IoTs things, you know, to give them identity, all of that could be on blockchain. But right now, I think blockchain itself is facing some challenges because there are scalability issues, there are energy issues, so there are a lot of 
technical challenges that needs to be overcome before we can broadly and uh, widely you know use this uh, blockchain for uh, the vision that you just talked about and it is necessary that we overcome all those challenges so that we can put everything on that and we can protect everyone and if we are able to uh, even let's say you know put uh, every single weapon that is being developed every single cyber tool that is developed mm-hmm. and everything is on that then we know that who is downloading that uh, particular you know cyber weapon and who is trying to uh, what are they trying to use it for so we will be able to prevent a lot of cyber wars and we mm-hmm. will be able to prevent a lot of cyber crimes and damages that happen so there is a lot of great potential in blockchain and i hope that we can overcome those technical challenges quickly so that we can uh, get on those uh, de- developing those blockchain and we can uh, bring some sort of security trust and transparency that we everybody is looking for so as you I, i'm really glad about the way you are thinking about this entire approach to grade industries and uh, the nano devices that you are nano chips that you are you know talking about that uh, itself will have you know great uh, potential for benefits you know potential benefits but also will uh, there will be a lot of you know potential of vulnerabilities so we will not just have to talk we are not talking only about the cyber vulnerabilities to do nano chips but you know different kind of vulnerabilities that it itself could bring so there there is a lot at stake and i'm really glad that you are having this uh, broader you know thought leadership on how to secure you know the nano chips and the manufacturing supply chain and uh, everything uh, for brady industries so having said that uh, what would you like to tell our global and viewers uh, viewers and listeners about brady industries and about your efforts to uh, bring the security to your organization So at Brady Industries, we're building the first uh, new aluminum rolling mill in 40 plus years, and it's highly automated. Um, we're talking about the 13th largest building in the world laid on its side, and we'll be putting out uh, half a million tons of, uh, of aluminum, uh, transportation grade aluminum every year. The, the, we're talking uh, about We're talking about $700 million of the state-of-the-art equipment from furnaces to rolling machines to get the types of parts that will be used to replace steel on cars, on electric vehicles, on uh, vehicles that need much higher gas mileage with the CAFE standards and those types of things. So end-to-end, we also are very, very green. We have uh, lowest uh, carbon um, inputs to the mill, uh, getting our, uh, our, our raw inputs from a, a smelter in uh, Siberia. And then we have the only uh, low emitting source uh, for an aluminum mill in the United States. So that means that car companies can uh, actually purchase the metal, get a lighter weight product. It goes farther on a tank of gas or on a battery, and they're using the least amount of carbon in the product. Now, The rest of Brady is all science. So we have uh, aluminum and uh, nanotechnology, and we have uh, all the other alloys uh, in nanotechnology for parts that you might see inside the car that make them go, and they actually lightweight even further. So if you can imagine that, you can imagine that is a lot to protect in terms of infrastructure. It's a lot to protect in terms of science, intellectual property. We Our scientists, and they're amazing up in Boston, have um, 
I mean, it's a very diverse company hailing from all around the world and they're wonderful. But that means that those scientists have uh, their own Rolodexes, their own interconnections, their own uh, spider web of uh, contacts around the world. And so, so you can see that that would lend itself to a great challenge of making sure that they come to work and they have a safe cyber environment to work in, um, that, that everybody is validated, authenticated, and that, um, and that we don't ever want to mess up their creativity or their innovation or get in their way to do their job. So, so managers and leaders have to develop systems and approaches that enable and support while not creating obstructions and intrusions for them. Um, and then if we look at the mill, the mill has got liquid metal at the start of it where we're pouring big slabs and that's very dangerous work. And that's got an IIoT uh, control associated with it. So, so you can see how seriously um, I take and the team here takes uh, the safety of those workers, and we know a big layer of that safety program, EHS, is cyber-related. And a lot of people would not necessarily say that EHS has anything to do with cyber. And to me, those are inextricably linked. Yes, yes, I, I hear you and I agree with you on that. I think uh, after the discussion is over, you and I should talk about uh, data security. I, I would like to tell you some things on that. So. Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate your participation today, General Holt, and thank you so much for uh, sharing all the insights that you have gathered while you are preparing the Brady Industries for uh, the cybersecurity or uh, giving the resi security resilience that you are uh, hoping that it would have. And we appreciate your thoughtful insight uh, on uh, the emerging technologies and the solutions that are out there for uh, that can help organizations like Brady uh, to achieve the cybersecurity and our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the information you provided today and helping raise awareness of this very critical topic. We thank you for that. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Wonderful, General Hall. So Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to the management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the Risk Roundups, to watch the Risk Roundup video audio podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundups, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.